the voice we most want to hear is your voice and we are uncomfortable with quietness. But this morning, Lord, I pray in the stillness of this moment that we would do exactly what the choir has sung, that we would hear you, that we would know your glorious will and that your great purpose for us would be fulfilled in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, choir. That was magnificent music. Thank you all for worshiping with us. I've been thinking this week about listening to God and how we do that. We've been looking at profiles in prayer remembering stories from the Old Testament of women and men who listened to God, who learned of God, and who spoke for God. And we live in this amazing day when we have so many um, ways of helping us with our hearing. Uh, For instance, there are in our lifetimes the innovation of cochlear implants Uh, There are all kinds of hearing aids, which I understand are getting better and better. I read about an elderly gentleman who was um, having serious hearing problems for years, and it bothered his family, and so uh, he went to the doctor, and the doctor was able to have him fitted for a set of hearing aids, cost about, oh, $800,000 or something like that, and and it enabled him to hear 100%. And uh, the elderly gentleman went back in a month to the doctor, and the doctor said, your hearing is perfect. Your family must be so delighted that you can hear again. And he said, you know, I haven't told them yet. I just sit around and listen to the conversations. I've changed my will three times. Makes us want to be careful what we say and how we hear. I know as I think with you about prayer this morning that God hears us. He hears our words, he hears our thoughts, he hears everything we say. But I wonder, I really wonder, if we hear him. And what will we do about our spiritual hearing? Lauren Sani said, a day spent in prayer ought to answer two questions. Who are you, Lord? And what shall I do? And even when we talk about listening to God, we can hear the voices from our culture saying what a ludicrous idea that is. Joan of Arc was mocked when she said she heard God speaking to her. Somebody said, taunting her, she says she hears God's voice. I don't hear God's voice, the mocker said, to which Joan responded, but don't you wish you did? Don't you wish you heard God's voice? What if we listened before we spoke? Would you open your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter three, verses one through 10, and then verses 19 to 21, listening before we speak. And even as I say this, this is really funny, but there's um, a speaker right behind me that is absolutely driving me crazy. I'm hearing my voice. If you can take that out, I would be so grateful. Let's stand together as we read God's word. And thanks to Miguel who serves us so well and helps us so greatly. 1 Samuel chapter three, verse one. 
The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The, the, Lord. the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And God speaks to him in the verses that follow. And in verse 19, we read the outcome in Samuel's life. And as I thought about our graduates this week, I love this idea for your future. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Thank you, you may be seated. God will be heard. God will have a messenger. And we can't miss the stark contrast in these verses between Eli, who is the nominal spiritual leader of Israel, and Samuel, who is just a boy. We might say, if God cannot in all of Israel find a man of God, then he will begin to raise up a boy of God who will become a man of God, who will learn to discern the voice of God above every other voice and thankfully God gives us a front row seat to the first time that Samuel ever heard God speak. Do you remember when you first heard God's voice clearly? You say, wait a minute, I don't think I've ever heard God's voice audibly, but have you ever known this is God? telling me to do this. And how did you respond to that? How can we respond? Notice in this, this beautiful narrative, just a, a couple of things that I think are, are really, really important. Visions were rare in that day. People who really knew what God wanted them to do, that was a rare occurrence. Visions were rare. And in the very next verse, and Eli doesn't see very well. Don't miss the connection between visions and not seeing very well. And, and don't miss this. It was, 
the lamp of the Lord was about to go out, but just in the nick of time, right at the last minute, God speaks. There's still hope because the light has not gone out. And here is Eli, the, the high priest, staying in his own room. And here is Samuel in the temple near the ark, spatially and spiritually, Samuel is closer to God than Eli. No wonder God speaks to him. And I am convinced in our great world that God is still speaking, that he is still making his will known, that he is still manifesting his presence. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it's not necessarily those whom we think who actually discern his presence. Instead, it's those who are tuned in to his frequency. God is always speaking. He is always calling. And he invites us to answer his call. And at least this story shows us that prayer is not only about us telling God what we need. After all, Eli doesn't say to Samuel, say to God, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. Instead, he says the opposite. Prayer is not only about telling God what we need. Prayer is first about God telling us what he wants in our lives. And Samuel, who's the answer to his mother's prayer and the answer to the prayers of the people of Israel, Samuel grows up and he not only hears God's voice, but he speaks God's word so clearly that none of his words fall to the ground. Who today has a batting average like that? I mean, we live in a world that is filled with words. Just just drive out of Houston and drive back in sometime and notice all the billboards saying, buy this, taste this, touch this, feel this, do this. And you feel like somebody said, you're driving into a dictionary. And we have, um, we have cheapened the currency. We have lowered the value of words. And only those who hear God can finally speak for God. I was thinking this week about the graduation gifts I received when I graduated from high school, what the best one was. I know um, things have changed. Parents buy kids cars and boats and yachts and houses and planes and things. But back then, it was a little bit simpler. But the great news was people I had never even known sent me money in the mail. Which was, I mean, new to me. I thought, we should graduate more often. I mean, this is a great thing. They send you money, and it's somebody's cousin from Idaho, and I've never even met this person, but they sent me, well, back then it was like $20. I don't know what the going rate is, but that seemed like a, a lot of money. But the, now, looking back, now this is many years ago, looking back um, 32 years ago, the best gifts were a couple of books, one by Henry Nowen and the other by C.S. Lewis. And I'm not making this up when I say I never read those books until after I moved here. But when I read them, God used them to speak to me and to change my way of thinking. So I was thinking, what could we as a group give to this group? 
beyond our applause and approval and honor that we've given them today, what could we give this group? And it occurred to me, if somehow we as a group and they as a group could hear this word, that prayer is about saying to God, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That when the car that they get for graduation is now in a junkyard somewhere and all the money has been spent and the books have been left on a shelf somewhere, if we could learn, if we could learn to say to God, speak, Lord, and I'm your servant and I'm listening, that would be a gift that would keep on giving not only as long as we live, but for all of eternity. If we could learn to discern his voice, we could make a big difference in this world. And don't miss that in a day when judges were speaking with their flawed messages to small groups in Israel. Samuel was the first in generations, it says, whose word came to all of Israel. And all of Israel recognized that he walked with God because he listened for God's voice. When we listen to God, we we learn to recognize his voice and we need to know his voice above every other voice and there are a lot of voices claiming to be God. There's a book called Conversations with God. It's a bit controversial and uh, I don't recommend it to you but uh, I read just one time in Barnes and Noble. I just sort of pulled it and read it and was looking at it and this gentleman was saying, this is what God is really saying to us. Go do whatever you want to do. Nothing is wrong. Everything is right if it feels good to you. This is what God is saying to you. And I'm just saying that it's not only that man's voice, but there are a lot of voices in media, a lot of voices in our culture, maybe even among our friends who are saying to us, you ought to do whatever you want to do because life is really about you. But Samuel's story says life is not about us. It's about God. Speak, Lord. And we've already established something when we call him Lord. The the new translation, the voice says, speak eternal one. One who is eternal. Speak, speak to us. You've always been. So you've got wisdom I don't have. You always will be. You've got wisdom I'm going to need. God, you speak. You speak to me. And I was thinking how in my lifetime, um, Christian musicians have tried to convey this. I I think about Andre Crouch saying, um, we need a word from you. We need to hear from you. If we don't hear from you, what will we do? Wanting you more each day, show us your perfect way. There is no other way that we can live. Our mercy me, word of God speak. Let it pour down like rain. Or David Crowder singing the psalm, come and listen. Let me tell you what he has done for me, what he's done for you what he's done for us. I need a word bigger than mine. I need a a language larger than this longing inside. I need you. And the word we need is God himself. Speak, Lord. Why? Because when we invite God to speak, I'm convinced that he does speak. And in time, we come to recognize his voice. Um, A trainer of of elephants trained uh, an elephant years ago named Nita trained this elephant for years and then um, as Nita sort of uh, was put out to pasture, so to speak, on a, a large game preserve, was left there for 15 years. The owner came back 15 years later, stepped out of the truck and simply said, Nita, 
And Nita came running, and Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear me when I call. And I challenge our students today, I challenge all of us to cultivate the ability to be still long enough to hear what God has to say. I told you about, about Mary Gage, who, who would take out a, a blank piece of paper and say, God, speak to me. And I'll listen. I think about Hezekiah spreading out a letter before God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And when you, when you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, you're not only inviting him to speak, but you're identifying who he is to you. You're saying, I'm your servant and you're my master. First of all, I'm yours. I'm not my own. Psalm 100, we are, we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. We are not our own. How do we know we are his? Well, he made us. And if that weren't enough, he redeemed us. And I know that you are his creationally. I know that we are his redemptively. But I was wondering this morning if we are his volitionally. If we would say, I choose to belong to him. Your servant, you're the master I'm the servant. I was walking down this corridor uh, this week after one of our funerals. We've had seven in two weeks. We have, we have been living life as a church. There have been babies born. Yesterday there were, there were two beautiful weddings. We have sent seven people home to live with the Lord. And today we recognize our graduates. Life happens in this place. And I was walking down this, I was walking down this corridor just outside this room and I just spontaneously just began to sing, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Somebody who's walking across the parking lot looked at me like I was crazy, but I just kept singing. You are the potter. I am the clay. Have your own way. You're the master. I'm your servant. We don't like to think of ourselves as servants, but Psalm 123 says that's exactly who we are. Like, like the eyes of a slave look to the master. Like the eyes of a servant girl look to her master. So, Lord, our, our eyes look to you. Why? Until you have mercy on us. Because we need mercy. You say, well, that's old school. That's Old Testament. We're not servants. We're children of God. But then you, then you have 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, when they were sort of hero-worshiping Apollos and Paul. And Paul says, so who's Apollos and who is Paul? We are servants. We are servants of God. We belong to him. He has called us. We speak, Lord. Your servant is listening to you, and I'm convinced we don't listen. We live in a culture where we're always talking and never listening. Dietrich Bonhoeffer years ago said, that's one of our problems because we're better at talking than we are at listening. And here's the deal, if we don't listen to other people, eventually we'll stop listening to God. And when we stop listening to God, all we'll do in our prayer is just God chatter. God, I need this, 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 I need this. And instead of recognizing we are in the presence of the eternal one who is able to do all things exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine and we're prattling on about this or that little thing that we want, what does he want? And if we can find that out, we are way, way ahead of the game. Will we listen People have dialogues of the deaf in our homes, in our schools, in our businesses. We're all talking, nobody's listening. 
Franklin Delano Roosevelt was convinced this was true and he just decided in one of those long receiving lines one time, he just decided he was gonna test it out and so he just started saying to every person who came by as he shook their hand, he just kind of leaned into him and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. He said it to every person who went by and he said it was amazing. People said, marvelous, how wonderful, so great, you're doing a great job, well done. Finally, the last person the diplomat from Bolivia actually heard what he said and leaned in and said to him, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least he was listening. What is God saying to us? And what does he want us to do? And here's my, here's, here's my, here's the truth I want, I want us to hear this morning. If we hear him then and only then will we know what to say, and somebody says we'll be measured by our words, but we need news from another network. We need to hear from the God who speaks to us, and what we learn about, about God is that when somebody, the only person in Israel at this time who really cares what God thinks, when he says, God, I care what you think, God says, well, here's what I think. I think things have gotta change, and Eli's out, and you're in, and God began to show him what he was doing. It's better than that. God not only reveals what he's going to do, but he is with Samuel. You know why I think God is with Samuel? Because God goes where he is wanted. I, I, I know, I know, God can go wherever he wants, but more often than not, he goes where he is wanted. And Samuel wanted him. He wanted what God wanted. And he was the first one in generations to want what God wanted. And God had a lot of God to give to him because he wanted God. Years ago, somebody wrote a book called Jesus Then and Now. Somebody was trying to order it on Amazon and kept um, typing in the title Jesus Now and Then. <laughs> Jesus Then and Now, Jesus Now and Then. And, and maybe that's the problem, is that we want Jesus now and then. But Jesus wants us all the time. And so Jesus, um, Jesus speaks to us if we will hear and he calls us and he makes his presence known. And I love this about Samuel that he grew up. In fact, you can read and the, the, the verses parallel very closely the descriptions of Jesus. In 2.21 it says Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Literally in Hebrew, in, in the face of the Lord. He was in God's face. What if God is always watching? I'll, just, I'll make this easy for us. He is. <laughs> He is. When we're tempted, when we're making decisions, when we're making choices about morality, when we're deciding who we're going to be and what we're going to do, one thing we can be sure of is God is with us. The only question we've got to figure out this morning is if we, like Samuel, are with him. So in 2 verse 28, it says, this sounds a lot like Jesus, uh, that Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. You can look in Luke 2 verse 40, Luke 2 verse 52, similar descriptions about Jesus growing up. So Samuel shows us a picture of Jesus. And if Samuel had no words that fell to the ground, in a way, he shows us what our Savior is going to be like. Because when Jesus spoke, people listened. And when Jesus spoke, he changed lives. They were asking one of the, the leaders in media in one of the countries in Europe, um, is it movies that shape the way that people think in our world? And he said, you know, movies are overrated. This was a movie maker. He said, movies are overrated. What really shapes the way that people think 
is the orators who speak and shape the world. Now as a preacher, I would really like to believe that's true. I would really like to believe that's true. But one thing I do know is that words really matter. I was thinking about Ransom Siler. Isn't that a great name, Ransom? Ransom Siler. Uh, he used to lead the songs in one of our um, Sunday school departments and he would purposely choose songs that had the word ransom in them. Just, you know, he would just, just pull those, you know, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And you know what I loved about Ransom? Ransom went home to be with the Lord in recent days. We had his funeral here recently. And Ransom was a man of very few words. I mean, he just didn't say a whole lot. But his batting average when he did talk was through the roof. I mean, when he spoke, his words mattered. And I could pray that for our graduates today. That you will speak words that matter. And the only way I know to do that is to listen to God and to speak his word. And here's the truth about God's word. that The, the grass withers the flowers fade away, but the word, the only thing we have that stands forever, the word of our God will stand eternally. So what is God saying to us to do? I read this week about Samuel Reimer, who um, clearly in a time of prayer heard God say, go and preach my peace to Vietnam. He woke up, he woke up his wife, she said, go back to sleep. He went to his pastor that week and said, I heard this voice telling me to go to Vietnam. He said, his pastor said to him, you know, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure God speaks audibly in that way. I'm just not sure about that. He went to the Mennonites. He was a Mennonite. He went to their missions federation. They said, we're not sure that's really true. He went to Canada where he lived and asked for a visa to Vietnam. They wouldn't give him one. And at the end of his life, decades later, lying on his deathbed, he looked up at his wife and said, I should have gone. I should have gone to Vietnam. When you know that clearly God's telling you to do something, you shouldn't ask about it. You shouldn't apply for a visa. You should just leave a note and go. And I think about another professor who was sitting in his office one night trying to write his lecture for the next day and he was looking at the mail um, that his maid had left on his desk and he was just sort of filing it away and there was a magazine that had actually been delivered to the wrong house and um, his maid had put it on his desk and so he picked it up and he was captured by the title the needs of the Congo and he started reading in it and he said that's what I will do with my life because the person who had written it said we have needs in Africa and nobody is responding to those needs and I'm praying that whoever reads this magazine will respond and say yes to God and Albert Schweitzer, who became one of the great humanitarians and missionaries in, the, in, in a magazine that was delivered to the wrong box and was placed mistakenly on his desk, found his purpose for life because God spoke to him. And you could spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what God wants you to do. Oh, if I only knew what God wanted, but I think we're educated well beyond our level of obedience. We know more than we do. And so I would challenge us today. Today, if, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. C.S. Lewis said there are two kinds of people in this world. Which kind will you be? Which kind will I be? Two kinds. Those who say to God, your will be done. I'll do what you want me to do. 
and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Let's pray. God, thank you for speaking clearly to your people in your word. Help us, I pray, Lord, to be obedient to your call. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.